So tonight, we were led by the Lord to Isaiah chapter 40. So if you would turn there, please. We will continue our series in 1 Corinthians next week. Isaiah chapter 40. Several of us just were very impressed with the Lord that there are some people at the Oasis that just are carrying some heavy burdens. And then instead of talking about what we were going to talk about in 1 Corinthians 5, that God wanted us to be sensitive to our flock, our sheep, our brothers and sisters, and, and share not only some, some songs, but hopefully a scripture passage that may encourage you. And maybe tonight, all this was just for one person. I hope that one person you'll be encouraged that God changed the whole evening because He loves you that much. I, I tend to believe that God has more than just one person in mind as we sing and as we share tonight. So let's just dive into this very simple message from the prophet Isaiah. I just want to take a moment to set up the context of this chapter and where we are in Israel's history. Israel is doubting their place with God. They have sinned, and because of their sin and disobedience, God sent them into exile. So they're going through a really rough season right now. They wonder what their future holds. They wonder if God ever is going to do anything to change their plight, and would He do anything? to change where they're at. And so there's a lot of questions. Maybe you tonight. Maybe you're going through a season of life that maybe you've made some bad choices. And because of those bad choices, you're in a you're in a bad season of life. You're really struggling. You need to hear the message of Isaiah 40. We all do. We all need to be reminded of it. But maybe, maybe you're going through a tough season right now, but it has nothing to do with the choices you made. It may be that you just landed in this season because for whatever reason, life is tough right now. It's, it's a challenge right now. Maybe more than usual. This chapter's for us too. Because in this chapter, God comes to His people in a tough time. And we all have tough times in our life. And notice the very first words of this chapter. Comfort. Comfort. My people, says your God. The first thing God wants to speak into His people's lives is that He wants them to be comforted. He wants them to be consoled. He wants to personally minister to them. And he's basically saying to the nation of Israel, I know you turned your back on me and you've suffer, suffered some very painful consequences, but I've got a, I got a bright future for you. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11, that verse that we like to quote a lot, that's in the context of what's going on in Isaiah 40. The plans that I have for you, says the Lord, and on and on. And so... God is asking Isaiah to speak comfort to his people. God is the God of all 
comfort. The word means to come alongside and encourage and strengthen and and refuel and refresh and revive and restore. And maybe we all need to be reminded of that tonight. That no matter where we're at and why we're there, God hasn't forgotten about you. God cares very much about you. And He wants you to be comforted. He wants you to know that He is personally desiring to come into your life and my life and minister to me and you as only God can. Certainly, we can minister to each other as human beings. We can encourage each other. We're we're responsible to do that as God's people, as Nicole said. But we also know that it really starts with allowing God to encourage us. And know that God can encourage us on a level that no human being can do. That's why beginning in verse 3, the prophet says, A voice cries out in the wilderness, Clear a way for the Lord. Construct in the desert a road for our God. Every valley must be elevated. Every mountain and hill leveled. The rough terrain will become a level plain. The rugged landscape a wide valley. Here comes God and no one's going to stop him. Now these verses are also repeated in the Gospels about the the, uh, ministry of John the Baptist. But in Isaiah's day, it was basically God is coming to you and he can't be stopped. That's encouraging. You ever think about the fact that when God comes to minister to you, there is nothing that can stop God? There's no obstacle that's going to be set up in God's way to where it holds him up when he wants to come and minister to his people. He talks about the splendor of the Lord. And then he starts talking in verse 6 about basically contrasting God with with the nations of the world and with human beings. And why does, why does Isaiah do that? Don't have time to go into all of it tonight, but basically one of the reasons why the nation of Israel got to where they got through their sin and disobedience is because they were trusting in people instead of God. They were trusting in the nations around them to protect them and bring them security and, and watch out for them rather than God. And God finally said, I've had enough. You're you're trusting in these, these mere nations that are nothing compared to me? You're trusting in human beings that are here today and gone tomorrow when I, the eternal God of the universe, am available to you and I want to be your helper? And yet you turn to them. And because they turned away from God and turned to these other nations, eventually God said, you're going to go into exile in Babylon. And God reminds them once again, don't rely on people. Don't don't put your trust in people. Put your trust in me. And don't put your trust in the nations and their strength. I got them stronger than them all. In fact, in verse 8, Isaiah writes, The grass dries up, the flowers wither, but the decree, the word, the promises of our God are forever reliable. The word reliable means they bring strength, they bring stability, they bring security. God's trying to get His people to see that in Him, that's all they need. He will be all the comfort that they need. And again, He's already announced, I'm coming and no one can stop me. In fact, notice Isaiah tells this herald to go up to a high mountain. 
Shout out loudly, O herald, Jerusalem. Shout and don't be afraid. In other words, place your voices above all other voices because there's lots of voices. And there's lots of voices in our life that clamor for our attention and and all of this. And, And God is sending out this herald to the nation of Israel and saying, I want you to shout above all the other voices. And here's what I want you to shout. Here is your God. I love that. The herald is basically telling the people of God and he's telling us, the people of God, here he is. He's here to save. He's here to deliver. He's here to rescue. He's here to encourage. He's here to give strength. Remember, the Bible teaches God doesn't save from afar. He saves by coming right into our lives, right where we are, meeting us right where we are. Jesus Christ didn't save us by staying in heaven. He left the glories of heaven, took upon himself humanity, and came to earth to save us right where we are. God doesn't save, deliver, rescue from far away. He comes right to us. And the prophet Isaiah is reminding his people, just look, here he is. And so tonight, we all need to be reminded, God is right here. There are so many times in our life where even as Christians, God seems so far away. He seems so distant. He he seems so not caring. Doesn't see what I'm going through. And the prophet Isaiah is saying, he's right there. See him through the eyes of faith. He's never left you. He's right there. I hope tonight that you and I will remember God is right here. His personal presence is right in our lives. Look, the Lord, the sovereign Lord, verse 10, comes as a victorious warrior, literally with strength. His military power establishes his rule. Look, his reward is with him. His prize goes before him. And then I love verse 7. Like a shepherd, he tends his flock. The word shepherd is a great word. It's a challenge to me as a pastor because in the New Testament, pastors are called shepherds. And one of the concepts of a shepherd here is that they associate with the people. Pastors are supposed to associate with their people, to be with their people, to be amongst their people. What good is a shepherd if the sheep aren't around? The whole reason why you have shepherds is because the sheep and the shepherd are supposed to have a great relationship. I thank thank all of you for the relationship that we have. The friendship, which gets me to the next point. This word shepherd means a special friend. Wow. God wants to be your and my special friend. That's what a shepherd really is supposed to be. Notice, he gathers up the lambs with his arm. The phrase with his arm literally means in his strength. Think of the picture that that Isaiah is giving us about God. He carries them close to his heart. Literally so, so we can even... Hear the heartbeat of God. I love the picture in the Bible of God gathering up His people and bringing them close. He leads 
the ewes along. The word lead, by the way, means to care for, to refresh, to give rest. That's what a good shepherd does for his sheep. They care for their sheep. They refresh the sheep. They give rest to the sheep when the sheep need rest. They provide nourishment and feed the sheep when the sheep need fed. This is the picture of God. This is who He wants to be to His people. Yes, they turned their backs on Him. Yes, they've suffered tremendous pain because of their sin and disobedience. But God is saying, I want you to speak comfort to my people because I have a bright future ahead. And maybe tonight you're going through a, a season in your life, whether it's by your own bad choices or just life itself, and, and you're really struggling to get th- through this season. Be reminded that God is going to send voices into your life to speak comfort to you, to speak encouragement to you, and to remind you that He is here and He's coming into your life and He wants to personally minister to you. And then, Isaiah wants his people to instead of being discouraged and when we get discouraged, our head is bowed and we look down, Isaiah wants us to be encouraged already by what he said and begin to look up and look around and be reminded of the greatness of of our God. Verse 12. Who has measured out the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or carefully measured the sky? Or carefully weighed the soil of the earth? Or weighed the mountains in a balance or the hills on scales? Who comprehends the mind of the Lord or gives him instruction as his counselor? From whom does he receive directions? Who teaches him the correct way to do things or imparts knowledge to him or instructs him in skillful design? And then he starts again talking about the nations and saying, when you compare all that man is and does to God, there's no comparison. And yet Israel had gotten to a place in their life with God that they trusted in the nations And in man-made things instead of the God who created the universe? They made idols, as he reminds them. How foolish to worship an idol that's made by man whenever the creator of the universe is right here. Wanting to be in our lives and personally minister to us. Why would we trade Anyone or anything for Him in our lives. Look at verse 21. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you since the very beginning? Have you not understood from the time the earth's foundations were made? He is the one who sits on the earth's horizon. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers before Him. He is the one who stretches out the sky like a thin curtain. He spreads it out like a pitched tent. He is the one who reduces rulers to nothing. He makes the earth's leaders insignificant. Verse 25. To whom can you compare me? Whom do I resemble? Says the Holy One. Can you and I even begin to to come up with trying to 
understand how infinite and incomparable God is? And many times in our pride, we think we know so much. And yet when we start thinking about the universe and how vast it is and how complex it is and how detailed it is, even us, as David writes in Psalm 139, how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. And God did it all, and we don't even hardly understand it. Even with all of our modern technology and advancements and so many things that God has given to us, yet we're just scratching the surface on how great is our God. Notice he goes on to say, look up at the sky, verse 26. That's a good thing to do. You know, many of you know, my wife and I, we live in Gold Canyon. Yeah, way out there in Gold Canyon. But one of the cool things about living there is it's a dark skies community. So in other words, we're out there in the middle of nowhere. It's just us and the coyotes. But there are some nights where you walk up or you walk out and you look up at that sky. And there's so many stars up there and so many lights that they all just run together. And you start going, wow, you're up there. And you made all that. And you love me and you care about me and I'm going to see you one day. And this distance, if you will, between us is one day going to be gone. I can't even grasp how far away those stars are. And yet... You're the one that created them all. Sometimes it's good just to look up at the sky. Who created all these heavenly lights? He is the one who leads out their ranks. He calls them all by name because of his absolute power and awesome strength. Not one of them is missing. So why do you say, Jacob, why do you say, Israel, the Lord is not aware of what is happening to me? My God is not concerned with my vindication. If he knows what's happening in the furthest corners of the universe, do we not think that God is intimately acquainted with what's going on in my life and how I'm hurting? He loves me more than he does those stars that shine brightly in the night. And the reason why Isaiah wants to paint a picture of the greatness of our God is many times, too, when we're going through a tough season in life, we need to be reminded because we get so focused on our problems and how big our problems are that we forget how great God is. And we need to all be reminded and encouraged that God is so great. It doesn't matter what we're facing or what the problem is or what the season of life is. God is greater than it all. And can help us overcome no matter what it is. See, when we begin to stack up even whatever we're dealing with and put it on one side of a scale, all we have to do is drop God on the other side of the scale and it doesn't matter. Because whatever you and I are facing, whatever we're struggling with, whatever season of life we're trying to get through, God is greater than it all. And this God who is so unbelievably great is personally in your life and my life to give me whatever I need to get through. 
Which is why then, in the context, we come to this very famous passage that we all know pretty well. But I want you to see the context of this very famous passage, where it's found. It's found at the end of Isaiah chapter 40. You know it. Let's read it together. Verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. He gives strength to those who are tired. The Israelites were just tired. They were tired. You ever been there? You're just, you're just exhausted. You're worn out. And, and we're very vulnerable at those times. Because when we're, when we're really just tired physically and, and, and emotionally, it also puts a drain on us spiritually. And it's hard for us to see how great God is at that moment. All we can see is what we're dealing with right in front of us and all of our problems and all of our struggles and all that's coming down our way. But Isaiah is saying, God is coming into your life and nothing can stop him. He's right there. Believe he's right there. And he is the God who created everything we see. He's stronger than anything we could imagine. He's greater. He's incomparable. Nothing can compare to him. And he's right there in your life. And what he wants to do in all of our lives is to give us strength. See, the Bible never teaches that God will always keep us from the struggles and the storms of life. But what the Bible and God does promise us is that He, because He is greater than anyone or anything, He has within Himself and is willing to share it with His people strength. Enough strength to get through whatever season, whatever trial, whatever you and I are going through. And that's what the prophet Isaiah needed to remind the people of Israel. See, they were getting ready through the prophet's message to be released from exile. And pretty soon, the king of Babylon was going to say, you know what? We don't want you here anymore. Those of you that want to go back to your homeland, go back. And many of the Israelites stayed in Babylon. And the reason why they stayed instead of going back home was because... It's too much work. We've been here for 70 years. We planted ourselves here. We built homes. We've raised our kids a couple generations. We're just going to stay here. But to the few, to, to the remnant, to, to a few who said, you know what? But God wants us to go back. That's the promised land back there. That's where God wants us. But it is a lot of work. It seems insurmountable to go back and sort of rebuild and, and start all over again. Isaiah 40 is a great chapter in your life when you are getting ready for something new. Because like starting a church or a business or anything else, it's like, oh my goodness, there's so much to think about. There's so much to do. How can we get it all done? God comes along through his prophet and says, here's how. I'll give you the strength. 
I know it's a long journey back from Babylon to Israel. I'll give you the strength for the journey. I know once you get there, you've got you've to build from the ground up. And it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of sacrifice. But I'll give you the strength to do what you need to do. Because he gives strength to those who are tired. To the ones who lack power, he gives renewed energy. Even young people get tired and weary. Even strong young men clumsily stumble. But those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. They rise up as if they had eagle's wings. I love that. Again, out where we live, there's these huge desert eagles. And sometimes I get the opportunity just to go out back and watch these desert eagles. And and the one thing that I've learned since I've been out here watching these desert eagles is they don't get out there and flap their wings wildly and try to fly. All they do is stretch out those big wings and let that wind just carry them. And I was reminded of that because I think in my life a lot of times, I'm trying to do this through life. And God is saying to me and to us, just stretch out your wings, child, and let my wind carry you. It's so much better that way than trying to flap on your own. And then he ends with, they will run without growing weary. They will walk without getting tired. God wanted to encourage his people. And let's not forget, again, the context These were people who had turned their backs on him. And yet he said, they've suffered enough. I've got a bright future. I want to come into your life and personally minister to you. And remember, as I do, there is no one in the universe greater than me because I created the universe. And there is nothing in your life, no one in your life, no circumstance, no trial, no situation that I, as God, and you can't overcome. I'm greater than it all. And the primary thing I want to do is not to take away the storm you're going through, but to give you the strength to go through the storm. Several years ago, I used this illustration in a Bible study that I did, and it certainly, I was reminded of it again this past week with Hurricane Irene. Those planes are designed by the National Weather Service to literally fly in to hurricanes, to give us all kinds of information about the hurricane. And the idea is that as they go into the hurricane, They're going to come to a place where they get to the eye. And in the eye of the hurricane, there's total calmness there. God wants us to learn to trust Him. To keep following Him through the eyes of those 
life hurricanes that we go through, knowing that if we just continue to trust Him to lead, we're going to get to the point where we find ourselves in the very middle of the hurricane, and yet we're calm. We're not freaking out. We're very composed because we have learned to rest in the God of the universe. And though our lives may be spinning all around us, God is saying, child, rest in me. There is no one like me. I will give you the strength that you need. Tonight, I don't know what some of you are dealing with in your life. But I am convinced that God wanted me to share this passage of Scripture just and break up this series in 1 Corinthians for some reason. And so maybe it was just for you tonight. If it was, that's great. That shows that God loves you enough that He changed our whole Bible study just for you. He loves you that much. He loves all of us that much. And remember, I'll close with this. God never saves from far away. God always comes right to us. As Isaiah says, we just need to look and see. Here's God. Do you see Him tonight? Do you see Him? He's right there with you. And He will be with you whatever you are continuing to deal with. Go in confidence, people of God. You and I do not go alone. We go every step of the way with the God of the universe. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for being such an amazing God. A God that no matter whether we find ourselves in a tough place in life right now because of our own choices or just because it's life, You remind us tonight that You want us to be comforted by Your presence and by Your promises. That our security, our stability is not in anything man-made. Anything that we can make, anything that we can come up with, it's, it's in You. And You are right here in our lives. And You remind us, God, of just how great a God You are. And therefore tonight, I pray that Your people here in this room whatever we're struggling with right, right now, whatever we're dealing with, what, whatever hang-up or whatever got us right now, that we would acknowledge that You are greater than that, whatever it is. And that You're going to help us to overcome it and get through it. Because You may not take the circumstance away. The storm you may not take away, but you will give us your strength 
to get through it. Help us, Lord, to have the picture of that eagle that just rests on the wind and has the faith to stretch out those wings and let the wind carry them. God, carry us. We cannot live this life on our own. We stumble and fall so often. And even in our intense trying and flapping of our own wings, all we do is get frustrated and tired and worn out. Help us to learn just to rest in You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, thanks for being here tonight. Look forward to Sunday. Have a great week. Keep us in your prayers Friday at the funeral. God bless you. Have a great week.